0: Well, good morning, church. How are you? Good to see you. In case you don't know me, my name is, oops, this thing is pulling right here. My name is Paul Beneman. I'm the youth and family pastor here at church. And about once, I don't know, a few times a year, they ask me to come preach. And uh, today happens to be that day. So I'm excited. I'm going to explain that in just a second. So uh, don't get freaked out. Um... All right, I'm just going to get right into it. All right, we've been going, Pastor Dave's been going through the book of First Peter. Uh, last week he finished chapter 1, today we're going to start chapter 2 of First Peter. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them, and I want you to read God's living and active word, okay? But here's my main point for our section of God's word today. One main point for today. For the believer, knowing your real identity leads to right living. For the believer, knowing your real identity, who you are, leads to right living. Now, um, I'm going I'm to talk about that because that's where Peter goes in, the, in his letter um, that he writes. And so I'm going to build on what Pastor Dave talked about last week. It's good? Hello? Hello? Oh, it is good. There we go. All right. Let me put this thing away over here. All right. Much better. So last week, Pastor Dave talked about taking control of your mind and taking control of your conduct. If you don't remember that after the service today, go back and listen to it. It was a great sermon last week, but we're going to continue to build on that. So for the believer, knowing your real identity leads to right living. Now, I start with that caveat for the believer Because that's who Peter is writing to. And that's what he says in chapter 1, verse 23. He says, Since you have been born again. So he's assuming his hearers, his readers of this letter, have been born again. Now, if you're not born again, if you don't even know what that means, let me change it a little bit. Do you love Jesus Christ? Would you say you're a follower of Jesus Christ? Would you say you want your your actions, your life to honor and glorify him? Has your life been changed by the gospel? If you don't love Jesus, then all this that you're about to hear may just come across as rules and burdens and foolishness. But if you hear what God's going to say today through his living and active word, and you're convicted and stirred, then don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. That's what James says, right? So let me illustrate it this way. People are very good at acting different ways in front of different people. Okay? We all wear masks. Here's my Lucha Libre mask. Now, I'm going to wear a different mask here in a second. I'm going to wear this for a second. But we all wear masks and we act differently in front of different people, okay? Here's how I see students do. I've worked with students here in Valley Center for like 25 years. So every Tuesday, I go to the middle school when we were allowed to go to school. And every Wednesday, I go to the high school. And you're standing in the quad of the high school at lunch And over kind of on the side, you'll always see, you know, some couples standing around just kind of embracing each other, you know, the high school students that are in love. And you'll see the guy talking to his lady friend. Oh, I love you so much. You're so cute. Oh, you're just my little buttercup. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And then what happens? Then the guy's friends walk up. And then what is how does the guy start talking? He went from, oh, you're my little buttercup. Hey, what's up, bro? How you guys doing? You know, this is my little lady friend over here. Are just chilling. Hey, you guys want to go work out after school? You know, pump some iron. You know, this is what bros do. Which is the real guy? The one with his girlfriend, or the one with his guy friends, his man friends, right? Or how about our kids? Our kid and I'm not saying this of my kids. I'm just saying in kids general, right? I don't want to do my homework, right? I don't want to clean my room. I don't want to do my chores. I just want to sit and eat my darn quesadilla, right? Or parents are like, "No, this is what you have to do, right?" But then what happens? The ki- your your kids friends come over. And especially in front of their parents, your kids act very differently in front of friends' parents, right? Here's how we see it. Kid's friend comes over. Oh, thank you, Mrs. Benhamin, for making this delightful quesadilla. This is delicious. Oh, and I love how beautifully you've decorated your house, right? Parents always ask me at, at youth group, they're like, is my child just like mean and just like not nice at youth group I'm like no they're great they're like well at home they're not like that right what happens we wear masks in different in front of different people now adults you know that we do this too at work at home with family members even here on sunday mornings some of you guys maybe never me of course but just, getting ready for church honey church started five minutes ago right we got to go now getting the car going down valley center road <sighs> passing people and stuff moving to this, sister right tommy sit down in the back and then you pull up into church and what happens Hey, brother. Oh, so good to see you. God bless you and bless him and bless her. So, oh, I just love how God's teaching me patience right now. He's just teaching me how to wait on him and wait on his perfect timing. It's what we do, right? Now, granted, those scenarios might be a little bit exaggerated, <laughs> just a little bit, right? But we laugh because there's, we know there's some truth in each of those scenarios, I guess for me, the crazy part is sometimes we fake it so much that we don't know which is the real us anymore. Is the real one on the way to church? Is the real one when you're at church? Who's the real you? Do you know who you really are? Are you so good at wearing all these different masks that nobody even knows the real you? And it's sad to say, I think sometimes a lot of times even our spouses don't even know the real us, because we faked it for so long. Well, lucky for us, God gives us clear direction to this question. Who is the real us? Okay. So who's Peter writing to again? He's writing to believers. And so that's what he, keep that in mind. First Peter chapter two, verse one. If you have your Bibles, open it up. It says this. So put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander. And like newborn infants, I want you to long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. If you haven't tasted that the Lord is good. Or that Jesus Christ is the best, most amazing thing that could ever happen to your life, then you're putting on a mask to act like a Christian. If you have tasted that the Lord is good, and you do want to honor God with your life and your actions, then you put on a mask when you don't act like Christ. Does that make sense? Which, which category are you in? See, when, you, when we as believers don't act the way he's called and enabled us to live as believers, and we're going to talk more about this, that's when we put on the mask. Now, what if you don't know if you're saved or not? If you hear what I'm going to say today and you think, you know what, I want that. <laughs> I want abundant life. I want a reason to get out of bed tomorrow morning. A re- I want a purpose for my life. I want to know who I am, why I was created. Listen, listen to what God's going to say today. If you you desire that, then that's evidence that the Holy Spirit is working on your heart and softening your heart and starting to stir your heart. Come talk to me afterwards. I want to tell you more. But Peter starts right out the gate with something we all do so well. He says in verse 1, to put away, in other words... Take off the mask. When I read that, that's the first thing that comes into my mind. Put off the mask. Take off the mask. Put away these things. Stop looking and living like the old you. And what did the old you look like? He says right there, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Do those things define what a follower of Jesus Christ should look like? No, those are the exact opposite of what a follower of Jesus Christ should look like, right? But we do them sometimes. We do. So let's look at these real quick. Malice. What is malice? That's not a word like we ever really use in life. Malice is evil, wickedness, the action or intent to harm other people. Is that ever, does that thought, do those feelings ever go through your veins? The action or intent to harm other people. That's malice. How about deceit? Harming others through trickery or falsehood. Does that define who you are? Do you ever just kind of trick people to get your way? It's deceit. How about hypocrisy? That is insincerity, or listen to this, the masking of inward evil by an outward show of righteousness. Do you ever mask your inward evil, what's really going on in your heart, by an outward show of righteousness? You look really good on the outside, but on the inside, God knows what's really going on in your heart. That's hypocrisy. Envy, that is the opposite of thankfulness for good, which comes to others. In other words, are you happy when something good happens to someone else? Or are you upset that the good thing didn't happen to you? (laughs) That's envy. Do you only want the good thing to happen to you? And the last one, slander. And that is any speech which harms or is intended to harm another person's status or reputation. Any speech which harms or is intended to harm another person's status or reputation. Spouses, do words ever come out of your mouth that cut down your spouse? Just little, just little words that come out that you know you're saying to kind of get back at them for something that they said yesterday. Little phrases that just take the wind out of their sails. That's slander. Peter is saying, stop. He's saying, stop, that's not you anymore. That's what Peter's saying. Take off the mask. Christ has set you free from that old person. You're a new creation now in Jesus Christ. Stop living like the old you. Like the person in the mask. You now have the ability to love others. To be happy when somebody gets blessed. To let kind words come out of your mouth. That's who you are now. That's the real you. If. You have tasted that the Lord is good. That's what he says. Have you experienced the goodness of God? And this is not like a theoretical or mental statement he's making, it's very practical, it's very real life. Do you want to grow in your salvation? Do you want to love Jesus Christ more? He says, like a baby cries and does whatever is necessary to get that milk. He's like, do you cry and long for and do whatever is necessary to get more of Jesus Christ in your life? Does that define you? The author of Hebrews would say it this way. He says, throw off every weight and sin which sticks or clings so closely to you and follow Jesus Christ. Run the race in front of you. Peter is saying that putting away those things is a necessary component to spiritual growth. Now, do you feel like you're not growing spiritually? As you would just kind of evaluate your life over the past one, two, four, six months. Is there a growth in your spiritual life? This might be one reason that you have some of these sinful things that Peter just mentioned. You have them like weights dragging you down as you're trying to run this race. These selfish, like me-first traits. Well, Peter would say, all through God's word, everyone says, confess and repent, put off those things so that you can follow Jesus Christ fully. But it's not the only component to spiritual growth. What's the main way that we grow spiritually? What's the main way we grow spiritually? You guys awake? What's the main way we grow spiritually? All right, reading his word, okay? That's the main way we grow spiritually. Wayne Grudem says this. Peter is assuming that the words of scripture are the words of the Lord. So to read or listen to scripture is to hear the Lord speak, to take his good and nourishing words into one's heart. To drink the milk of the word is to taste again and again what he is like. So do you long for God like a baby longs for milk? Do you desire his word like a baby just wants food and they want food? Right. If not, read his word, just start reading his word and your soul will start to hunger and thirst for more of it. You will begin to taste and see that the Lord is good. And Peter is assuming that we will be coming to him and tasting the goodness of God, because in the next verse, he says, as you come to him. That's what he says as you come to him. So he's assuming we're going to come to him. So what does he say then as you come to him? Verse 4, a living stone rejected by, by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. Verse 5, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, for it stands in Scripture. And now he's going to quote three Old Testament passages. Well, let's look and see. Peter's using a lot of Old Testament imagery here, right? In the Old Testament, how did people come near to God? There were four components to it. If anybody was going to have some sort of relationship with God or come into God's presence or whatever, it was only through a prophet, is through a priest, it was through the tabernacle or temple, And it was with sacrifices. Those were the four things that people had to do in order to come near to God, have some sort of interaction with God. But now, because of Jesus, Peter is saying we have direct access to God himself, right? Jesus is our prophet and our priest, and our bodies are now the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? That's why Peter says, as you come to him, as you continually come to Christ, first through initial saving faith and then through reading his word, through fellowship, through prayer, as you come to him, you are being built into a spiritual house. And what does that mean? It's not about a physical building anymore. In The Old Testament, it was always about the temple, right? It was about this place. Now he's calling, Peter's calling his people, and in turn, the church today, living stones. That's what he says. Living stones, not dead stones, not rocks that a physical church is made out of. Now the church is us, believers, right? And we are alive spiritually. We are living stones is what he says. Jesus is the cornerstone that sets the pattern, that sets the trajectory. He's like the foundation that is coming out from here. And we pattern our lives off of him as our cornerstone. We follow his lead, and we are now the temple, the church, or as he calls it, a spiritual house. And what do we do in this house or as this house? He says, we offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And we can do that because he says, we are a holy priesthood. That's who you are. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a holy priesthood priest this is so radically different from how they thought about church and worship and sacrifices in the old testament right but i even see it sometimes today because a lot of times people think that us pastors, we're like the professional, spiritual people, right? And so if you, want, if you have a friend that you want to hear about, you want them to hear the gospel, hear about Jesus Christ, say, you know what? Come to church with me. I want my pastor to share the gospel with you. I want my pastor, I want you to hear them preach. Then you can hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not diminishing church. Church is a necessary, vital part of the Christian life. It's one of our core values here at Valley Center Community Church, right? To gather together. Invite your friends to church. But don't think for a second that somehow I'm more qualified as a pastor to share about Jesus Christ with your friend. You know why? Because you are a holy Priest, you have direct access to God just like I do. You, me, we are a holy priesthood is what he's saying. Just like the high priest in the Old Testament did, only once a year could go into the Holy of Holies, right? And it was this huge momentous occasion and he would go in and sacrifice and then the sacrifice was meant to accept Uh, Or God would accept that sacrifice for the penalty of the people's sin, but it's only once a year. But now we get direct access to God himself, right? Now Peter is calling you and me priests, but not just priests. What's the adjective he uses? Holy priests. Holy priests. This is your identity if you believe in Jesus Christ. You are a holy priesthood. And who says it? God himself, God himself calls you a holy priesthood. Now, what in the world can make you holy before God? Because surely we think in our head, God, you would not call me holy if you knew what words came out of my mouth this past week. Surely you would not call me holy if you knew what thoughts were in my head this week. Right. What I looked at, what I did this week. Surely he knows what sinful actions we did. Is God just like turning a blind eye to it? Is he like sweeping things under the rug? No. Peter's been saying all along what qualifies us to be holy priests. He's been telling us in chapter 1, and he will through the rest of the book, who we are. If you have your Bible, look back at chapter 1. I want to look at just a few verses here. They're all throughout. I'm going to highlight a few. Chapter 1, verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Chapter 1, verse 15. But is he who called you as holy? Then he says, be holy in all your conduct. Would God command us to do something without enabling us to do it? No, that's crazy, right? He enables us to do it. Therefore, then he calls us to live it out. Chapter 1 verse 23 says, since you have been born again, this is who you are now. Chapter 2, verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And then it says, by his wounds, you have been healed. That's who you are now. That's what God did for us. Chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. He's telling us over and over again, all over the place, what qualifies us to be holy priests. And what is it? It's none other than the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. That's it. That's it, right? His holiness is given to those who believe in him and are forgiven by him. God makes you holy through Jesus. Peter's not blowing smoke here when he calls us holy priests. That's what God did for anyone who believes in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Do me a favor. In your, if you're in First Peter there, turn to your left like 8 or 10 pages, depending on your Bible. right before the book of hebrews is the little book of titus and in titus chapter three he says this if you're there say amen if you're not there say hold up all right well wait a second titus chapter three verse three says this for we ourselves were once foolish disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. Does that sound familiar? Kind of sounds like what Peter was saying at the beginning of chapter 2, right? But... Chapter Verse 4, but, circle that word, but. That's one of the beautiful buts in the Bible. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that... Being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We are called holy and priests only because of Jesus Christ. You get that? Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. You're alive. You're awake. See, when God commands us to live holy lives, it's because he gave you the holiness of Jesus. So now you're enabled to live it out. It's not you mustering up this holiness. It's we get Christ's holiness and now we reflect it. We live it out. This is who you are. If you believe in Jesus, you do not have to put on a mask to live like a holy person. You take off the mask to live out who you really are now. Does that make sense? That's the amazing truth of the gospel, but believe it or not, the news gets even better. Because <laughs> what does he say? In verse nine, turn back to First Peter. Chapter 2: nine, he says this, "But you are a chosen race." A holy priest, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you would not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. Christian, this is your real, true identity. Right. Don't put on the mask and live like someone who doesn't have a place to belong, because what does that say? You're chosen by God. He wanted you. He called you. He chose you and said, you're mine. Now you belong with my people and my family. That's who you are now. Don't wear the mask of living in dark sin. That's not you, because now you live in his marvelous light. Is what he says. That's who you are now. Don't wear the mask of a grumpy, angry, ungrateful person because you've received mercy from God himself. (laughs) So now you get to reflect that mercy to others. That's who you are. Have you tasted that the Lord is good? Have you? Have you? then live like it. (laughs) Live like it. If you've tasted that the Lord is good, then live like it. That's what Peter's saying. Do you remember what I said in the beginning? My main point for the believer, knowing your real identity leads to right living. And the right living I'm talking about here is not just avoiding sin. That is a big component of it. But the main action we are being called to here is in that last section. I'm gonna read it one more time. See a few verses, verse nine, but you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. And now he's going to say what we're supposed to do with it. That's who we are. Now, what do we do? He says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's what we are to do. How often do you proclaim the excellencies of God? Does that come out of your mouth? Do you talk about what God has done in your life? Do you talk about who he is? Does does that conversation come up in your house at all? With your spouse, with your kids, with friends, on social media? Do you proclaim the excellencies of God? I'm going to be honest with you. I was very convicted this week when I was preparing this because I wish I could say that that would come out of my mouth more often. But Paul, you're a pastor. You're like supposed to talk about it all the time. Like, I don't wish I did. That we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness. That's what Peter says. One commentator says this. God's purpose in redeeming us is not simply our own enjoyment, but that we might glorify him. Our ultimate meaning lies in declaring the excellencies of God, for he alone is worthy of the glory. And then he says this, redemption is ultimately not man-centered, but God-centered. That's the point of redemption. Are you the person that always points people back to God? Are you that person? That's something I want to grow more in. I want to do that more. Whatever somebody's going through, I want to point them, reflect them back to God. When I was writing this, there was one person that immediately came to mind. If you ever go to Joe's feed store, right down the street, I haven't seen Joe here today. I don't know if he's here. He does that. If you're in there buying whatever pet stuff your pet needs, I guarantee if you talk to Joe, if he's at the register, you know what you're going to hear about? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Because <laughs> really the, the the pet store is just like a means to talk to people about Jesus. That's it. Yeah, that's how he pays his bills. But that's who he is. That's who Joe is. You can't shut him up. He's not wearing a mask. That's He's just living out who he is. He loves Jesus Christ, and you're going to hear about it. Sometimes for 20 minutes, and you're like, Joe, I just kind of want to get my food and leave, right? And he's like, no, I need to tell you this conversation I had yesterday. So it's not just me because I'm a pastor. Okay, yeah, I just want to make sure. Joe, if you're watching online or if you're here, I love you, brother. I love that you live this out, that you proclaim the excellencies of God. It's just in you, and it comes out of you. That's what I want to be like. Do you want to be like that? I want to proclaim the excellencies of God. It would just come out of me. Do you know God like that? You can start today. It's not rocket science. Even it's simple enough for a child to understand. Start reading God's word. Are you wearing a mask? Are you faking it? Stop confess and repent say that's not me anymore i've been saved by jesus christ i'm a new creation now i want to live out this life this holiness that god's enabled me to live not faking it live out who god made you to be because of jesus christ let's pray god Thank you for your living and active word. Thank you that these aren't just like my words that I have to clean up and make stuff up. God, this is what you say. Our loving father coming to his children and saying, this is what's best for you. This is uh, this amazing plan that I designed for you. This is my grace, my mercy in action in your life, living this out. God, thank you for your grace and mercy when we blow it every single day. And yet you don't come and unadopt us every single day when we mess up. No, you say, you're mine. (laughs) You sanctify us. This process of being made holy more and more each day. God, I pray this week, God, that we would take control of our actions, our thoughts, our words, what we look at we would live as holy priests because that's who you say that we are. We don't have to pretend. God, may we honor you and glorify you this week because you alone deserve it. In Jesus' name, amen.